more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Welcome, everyone, to A Sense of Beer Style. Julia and Jeremy here, and we today, y'all, have joined us for a special treat in your beer studies and journey. It's part of the European Sour Ale, a beer judge certification program, 2021 guidelines, Flanders Red Ale. Wow, 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 Mm. what a style that has made an impression on me. And this is basically like it's sour, it's fruity, it's funky, but it's also light and sessionable. Uh, There's oak aging, so there's tannins and and lots of complexity there. Um, It is Belgian inspired from the country of Belgium for sure. And then you have the essence of of the malt um, expression, and then it can be dry too. So really lots of complexity to get to. And I think um, we can talk about the history and also the, the process and ingredients um, all kind of woven in. So Jeremy, why don't you get us started on, on that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, the BJCP talks about this, uh, style in, dif- in differentiation to the Flanders Brown or the Aldbruin, uh, and that really stemmed from, uh, Michael Jackson, uh, traveling the world and, and, and really, uh, uh, pulling out different styles and understanding that here's how these beers are different. If we were to go to Belgium right now, you know, they, they don't acknowledge the difference in these, in these beers. You know, we say, I'd like a Flanders red versus a Flanders Brown. And they like, here's a beer, but, and so that's the reality when we go to Belgium, but for the sake of understanding the difference in these beers, Oh, look at that beer. Uh, sorry for if for anyone who's listening, Julia is pouring and I've had that beer and it's fantastic. Uh, Julia is pouring her beer right now. And, uh, and I'm not going to lie. I'm a little jealous. Um, I got two. I got two. You got a couple of them. Uh, yep. Uh, and we'll talk about those beers in just a minute. Uh, uh, so uh, Belgians don't really differentiate between these two beer styles. I think it's important us to acknowledge that there is a difference uh, and then and then disregard it. When we go to Belgium, just drink the beer. It's fan- It's fantastic. Uh, but there, And we'll talk about why these are a little bit different. Uh, so when we talk about uh, the base malts. We've got a base malt of Vienna or Munich malts to really drive that color and that flavor and that malt forward aspect of what this beer truly, truly is. Uh, you can get some uh, medium uh, caramels. Uh, Cara is just kind of like a caramel malt. So uh, so it, there's a lot of melanoidins. There's a lot of, uh, of, of uh, caramelly, dark dried fruit kind of flavors that really are packed into this thing. Uh, and hopefully they express out uh, sometimes they'll use corn in this as well, just to really help drive the uh, uh, the fermentation. Uh, when w- they're, they're typically going to use some uh, continental, continental hops, aka German noble hops or or Germanic noble hops, because we've got the Czech saws in there as well. Uh, but these are very low alpha acid uh, hops. This is not a beer balanced by bitterness. I tried saying that five times fast after drinking both those beers, Julia. So those are the those are the hops that we're going to use because this is 
you know, it, it's balanced by sourness uh, and, and complexity and, and maybe even some tannins uh, in those. Uh, and we'll talk about those tannins in just a second. But when we ferment this beer, it, it's not just a Saccharomyces ale yeast. They are using lactobacillus. They are using Britannomyces. They could even use Acetobacter to really make this uh, complex. And it's and this is different than a spontaneous uh, beer uh, like a Lambic because they are cultivating these organisms uh, generation after generation. So they know what they're putting into it. So these are quote unquote wild organisms that have been uh, have, have been kind of cultured, uh, to do what specific things. And so that's where this is a little bit different, uh, from, from that, uh, Lambic style beer. Uh, the other aspect of this too is, uh, you know, when we talk about ingredients and process that one of the ingredients they use is time and gigantic barrels, oak barrels, also known as fooders spelled F O E D E R S fooders. And so they're sitting these things. Uh, I'm six foot five. I've seen some of these fooders that if it were open, I could walk in and stand up in. These are giant wood vessels. So you have these gigantic fooders that don't have a lot of uh, surface contact with the liquid just because they're so big. There's a lot of liquid. So you're not, and, and they're reusing these oak fooders again and again and again and again. So they're very, very, very neutral. We're not getting a lot of tannins out of this, but you can get some to kind of just kind of grip the side of your tongue, just, just a hint. Uh, and, and so some of this stuff, uh, and you'll see some of these, some of them may end up being back sweetened. Some of them may be pure. They're almost always blended with old versus, uh, young, just kind of get the right, just the right mix, the right experience. And so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going into this and, and they could be, uh, aged for up to two years as well. So like I said, we've got wood, we've got in, the ordinary beer ingredients, but we have time as one of the ingredients too, that, uh, that. This is not an everyday beer. This is a, okay, everyone quiet down. We're pulling this out now. <laughs> Enjoy. So that, that, that's what I want you to understand about the ingredients, the process. Let's start talking about the appearance. Great. And I do have two here, one from Belgium, one oh, U.S. And they look relatively the same exact oh. color. Um, the expression of the 2016 New Belgium La Folie, by the way, mm -hmm. um, has more carbonation and uh, more head retention, but you're, you're thinking about what you would see for beer's version of red wine in a glass, right? Deep red and burgundy is what the style guidelines talk about. Reddish to, to brown in color, really pretty and inviting, but yet it's not a dense, heavy beer. So always when you look at color and you see beers that are darker than most, say, pale ales and India pale ales, and you get into um, more English bitters or porters into stouts, don't be fooled. Color has nothing to do with weight or gravity. But anyway, reddish to brown in color. And then should be clear, um, really ruby highlights if you see the, the glass getting the light through it. A little hard with the computer. Some of you are able to watch us on YouTube. Others are listening. Just enjoy and get your own version and you'll be able to see it. <laughs> um, and then that even color better. of, yeah, even better. Color of foam is just a little bit tan. It's it's not ivory. It's not white. And then... Um, you know, straightforward, uh, carbonated, uh, rising, you know, uh, micro site, uh, sorry, etching from the bottom of the glass, causing the bubbles to rise fast rising bubbles as a part of the appearance to me. Yeah. Let's talk about aroma. 
Uh, and specifically, uh, I, I want to spend just a sec to talk about the word complex. It seems like a nerdy, uh, pinky out type of word, and it kind of is. Um, let's talk about what that means real quick, because I've been kind of waiting for this style to really talk about complexity. And what I think about complexity is there's so much going on that we don't know where to start. There's so much going on that, that our palate could be slightly overwhelmed, but in, in a good way. Not, not in a like, oh, I, I can't deal with this right now, uh, Gina type of uh, kind of uh, experience. This is like, wow, I, I need to think about this. And that's what I love about these beers is that they are thinking beers because there's so much going on in your palate. Like, whoa, wait a minute. What did I just taste? And you can dissect it in so many different ways and look at it from so many different angles. To me, that's what makes a really complex beer. And this is a complex beer. But we're talking about, uh, and we're talking about uh, this. Uh, people often consider this the uh, Burgund the Burgundy of Belgium because it's it's dark. It's kind of like you know got this black cherry. You got this uh, uh, cherry pit uh, flavor coming through, which is like nutty but slightly bitter. Um, it, it can have like hints of like uh, orange rind, maybe a little bit of a plum. Um, red currants. There's, there's so many different flavors that can come through in this, depending on how they sweeten it to how they blend it. Uh, you can get notes of a little, like a low to medium low vanilla. A lot of that is typically coming from the oak itself, uh, but that really helps kind of add just more layers to what's going on. Uh, you can get some uh, chocolate. You can get some uh, little bit of uh, pepper uh, coming through. You can get uh, some very low spicy phenol. So just think about all these flavors coming through. Think about um, how they could all layer and work in harmony like an orchestra. Uh, and, and you're starting to get the idea of what this beer can be. And, and we're only talking about the aroma. We haven't even tasted it yet, right? Um, uh, and so when we, you know, the, the BJCP talks about like a balance to intense sourness. The, I'm going to spare you, Julia. You can't smell sour. You can smell something that makes your brain think sour or sweet or whatever. That's not how our brains work. So, so uh, you can't smell sour, but you're going to think, ooh, I'll bet you this is sour. So that is perfectly okay. Um, let's talk about the uh, kind of like the elephant in the flavor room or the aroma room. Whenever we drink these or even like the old browns uh, or the, the Flanders browns, we start thinking, okay, I'm getting a little bit of a vinegar note but it's very, very light. It's almost like a balsamic vinegar, if anything at all. And it should be very, very, very low and pleasing. It should be pleasant. It should be enjoyable. If it's too much, if it's harsh, that's, that's no good. Um, hops, we shouldn't get any bitterness uh, from the hops anyway, and we shouldn't taste them as well. So that's aroma. Let's talk about flavor. Listen to what Jeremy just shared. It, such incredible descriptions. And so you queued up so much of, of what you will also perceive in flavor. And it is important to note that these get laid down, even though it's a sessionable beer with the uh, barrel influence and literally aging these in oak or on um, wood, they're going to change. So when I talk about flavor, do note that malt intensity will lessen with age and acidity that um, that Acetobacter, uh, think fruit flies in, in the wine tasting room when you're in Napa, 
right? That will in- increase. And so that's going to potentiate certain things as you get more of that vinegar sourness and less malt. So take, uh, take any uh, hybridized version of flavor with a grain of salt, depending on how long the beer has been aged. Um, so malty flavors are a part of this. And I, I love the descriptors you were getting at, Jeremy. Um, I would add to the the notion, I get Dr. Pepper sometimes, Ooh, right? Yeah. These go to that cherry cola note to me. Which I got to say, as far as sodas go, that is really complex flavor. Dr. Pepper, that is really, really complex. Yeah. And so this isn't, I don't want to diminish, uh, again, we're talking about Flanders Red Ale and say it's the, the Dr. Pepper of beer, but that flavor is is a weaving theme that you will start to yeah. notice in addition to all the all the um, other characteristics. And I love the current um, mention too, that's a, that's a biggie, and the plums, right? They're all there because of the malt complexity and the, um, the influence of this acetobacter vinegar type of uh, sourness. Um, you're going to get a little bit of lower esters because this is an A that is fermented. It is definitely not a lager. Um, And then this is a beer that doesn't um, emphasize at all. You shouldn't have hop flavor. um, And you're going to get very low perception of bitterness, if at all, for balancing. But that bitterness will be enhanced as the acidity increases uh, as well, that potentiation that we talk about. Um, Jeremy did mention that some versions are sweetened. We'll tend to see more Old Bruin, in my view, versions sweetened um, than Flanders Red. We're talking about the difference between West Belgium and East Belgium brewing practices. So I don't come across a lot of these that are are sweetened, but the ones that are sweetened are going to be more one-dimensional, less layered and crisp. So that's something to pay attention to as well. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an incredible, incredibly flavored beer. I'll go back to drinking it now. Yeah. It, you know, and you just said something that I, I think would be really good. We're talking about Flanders. We're talking about Flanders in Belgium. Belgium is, I'm not going to take the time to get into what history I know of Belgium was, which is, you know, like, you know, a tiny bit, but still there's so many cultures that have influenced what Belgium has become. I mean, it speaks at least three different languages, uh, officially, um, so when we're talking about, you know, Flanders, Flanders is kind of the northwest part of Belgium, but and that's divided between East Flanders and West Flanders. And that's where the Reds and, and, and in different style casts, we'll talk about the Old Bruin, but both of these come from that northwest region of, of Belgium. Uh, from a, a place called Flanders, a region called Flanders, uh, and so just just for the, just for a little bit of a let's set the scene when we tell the story. Um, uh, but now let's get into mouthfeel, uh, and I've got a little bit of a bone to pick with the BJCP on this. But I, uh, you know, th- they've done a lot of hard work, and they're all volunteers, so I'm definitely not going to uh, drive that uh, nail too deep. But they talk about medium body. Well, this is a complicated beer. It's a complex beer, and it depends on the aging. If it's been aged for a while versus if it's been blended with some uh, some uh, fresh new uh, beer, the body's going to be different. From my experience, I've seen low body uh, to kind of a kind of a bigger body on some uh, newer versions. So it kind of depends. Uh, when we talk about carbonation, the the beauty of carbonation when it's when it's high is it cleanses your palate. This is perfect for food pairing. This is why we use it in food pairing. For beer like this, I don't want the carbonation to scrub my palate. So these beers tend to be low to medium carbon, have low to medium carbonation because they taste better that way from my experience. And, and, and because I want to taste this, I want that, those flavors to linger on my palate. Um, 
you can get that uh, low to medium tannic astringency because these sit on oak for a couple of years, oak fooders. Um, you can get that uh, acidity. You can get that uh, light and crisp refreshingness that acidity brings, um, but it can be somewhat uh, sweet in the finish uh, or have a little bit more. Uh, you know, when I think about finish, I think, you know, as a boat travels through the water, the finish would be the wake, right? And mm -hmm. so you can get a little bit of that, just that sweetness uh, coating, not sweetness as a flavor, but just kind of like that coating lingering uh, feel on your palate once the boat or the beer has gone pie. So that's what I think about mouthfeel. Let's talk about style comparison. I want you all to go to the store or brew an old Bruin. That's going to be easier for you to brew because you do not have to influence it with oak yeah. aging like a Flanders. They are brother and sister. We mentioned West Belgium, that's Flanders. East Belgium is, is old Bruin style. Um, and then I also want you to buy or brew a Belgian double. So you're going to have mm. this flight in front of you. And it's, it's much more easier to tell the Belgian double to the other two than the other two against each other. But the Flanders against the Old Bruin, because you have the lack of oak aging, um, it's going to be uh, you know, less malty and more tannic. And you also have a much more pungent, um, I think, aspect of that uh, acetic, acetobacter uh, vinegar. So that's just your no-brainer. And then you've got your Belgian double next to these two beers, because when you smell a Flanders, you're looking for that um, essence of that uh, kind of vinegary acetobacter uh, indication. So I think that's the easy style comparison. And uh, there you go. Absolutely. Uh, commercial examples. Um, I'm going to uh, kind of break the mold a little bit, and I've got a short story to tell, um, uh, just to kind of tell how special these beers are. Uh, years ago, many years ago, when I was trying to learn, uh, become educated in beer, trying to get into the beer business, uh, I had an opportunity to uh, connect with uh, a guy who was in charge of the entire barrel program for Deschutes Brewery in Bend, Oregon uh, at the time. And I said, hey, hey man, let's let's go to this local bottle shop. I, I want to pick your brain. And this bottle shop had excellent, excellent beer in there. I mean, it was, it was Bend. Uh, and so and I said, you know, I just want to pick your brain. Beer's on me. Whatever you want, I'm buying it. I just want to chat and and learn. And he's like, all right, I'll meet you there. And so great. What beer do you want? And what he wanted was the Rodenbach Grand Cru. Uh, so here's a guy who runs a barrel program for a huge, huge brewery, international brewery. And he won the Rodenbach uh, Grand Cru. That is the classic. That is the staple. And it is phenomenal. Uh, we also have the Cuvée, uh, uh, forgive my pronunciation, the Cuvée de Jacobin Rouge. Uh, the Duchess de Bourgogne is also uh, red. Um, even the Rodenbach has a classic. I prefer the Grand Cru, but the classic is also excellent. Um, and then, of course, uh, you have the uh, the La Folie from New Belgium, which is another example, uh, incredible example. But that's coming from Colorado, not from Belgium, which shows that we can brew this anywhere. So uh, those are the commercial examples. Uh, do you want to take the uh, vital stats? I absolutely will. And I will add a note. Um, for example, trying different commercial examples against each other is a really fun way oh, to yeah. educate. And I would say Duchess de Bagon, if I am uh, oh. mispronouncing that, I, I, 
I believe it. Uh, but the the essence of what Duchess taught me was that you can have in these beers and the style guidelines don't even mention it, diacetyl. You mm-hmm. can have a low level butterscotch note and Duchess is famous for it. So seek that out. Um, it is such a beautiful beer. Uh, there is a Duchess on the label. Um, and then Jeremy did mention La Folie. I am literally drinking that, the 2016, which used to be packaged not in 22-ounce bombers um, like I'm holding, but uh, in cork and cage. So if you come across, across a La Folie that's cork caged, that one is a true collectible and certainly a more aged version. So let's and, get and the stats. Can I interject one more thing? Another little story because oh, yeah. you brought up when when these have off flavors. This is an interesting kind of little. Uh, you heard this here. Um, I I have had a few different uh, opportunities to taste the Duchess that has not been very well cared for. Uh, that had some off flavors in a bad way, and this was an interesting thing I've never experienced in anything else before. Um, I think this got hot. I think it uh, just w- was horribly treated. But there was a couple bottles that we opened up, and it smelled and tasted like Grey Poupon, which is not a horrible flavor, but it's not a flavor that should be in that particular beer. Mustard. Mustard, you mean? Yes. Yes. The Grey wow. Poupon, uh, the, uh, it, it was an acidic uh, sour, but I mean, it just had yeah, this distinct rough. flavor. I shared it with a, a chef at this really great restaurant. I was like, all I'm getting is Grey Poupon. So when you taste these beers, uh, you know, there, there is a possibility that they can just have gone to the wayside. So, um, this is just the value of finding good, uh, uh, good bottles that have been well cared for anyway, yeah. back to, back good, to vital stats. Good PSA. I applaud it. <laughs> and you're, you're absolutely right to remind everyone of it. So, um, if you're brewing this, you started original gravity, 1048 to 1057. And the trick is you can often take the original gravity and just remove the 10 part, the first two numbers, and ishy get to your ABV. So um, original gravity of 1048, 1057, ABV of 4.6 to 6.5%. Um, certainly a bigger stretch there on the 6.5, um, but, a, but a sessionable, respectable, lower alcohol beer. And then final gravity will show a big range, 1002 to 1012. That's going to be very, very dry, 1002, virtually almost no residual sugar, to 1012, which is like got, you know, anything above 1008 is, wow, it's it's got certainly some residual sugar. So I find that fascinating um, that the range allows for that. And that has to do with many of them are sweetened, back sweetened. And then um, into international bitterness units or the bitterness, 10 to 25, again, a more robust range. But you, you really have to get above 25 in most beer styles to get more aggressive bitterness. So this bitterness is more um, for just kind of a base note and a preservative aspect. Um, but you're not going to be looking for these beers to be bitter or hopped in um, flavor or uh, aroma expression. And then the the color or standard reference method is 10 to 17. Um, so that's going to take you to that reddish or to the to the light brown as we were talking about. And Jeremy's always much better at the conversions than I. So feel free to have at it. Yeah. If you're uh, if you're an EBC or European Brewery Convention type of person, uh, then we're looking at 20 to 34. It's just basically double the SRM. For the color. Yeah. For the color. Yep. 
And for those of you who want this converted into Play-Doh because you're outside the U.S. or where, whatever it may be, uh, we're looking at for original Play-Doh, we're looking at a 12 to you know a little over 14 Play-Doh. And for a final uh, Play-Doh, we're looking at a 0.5 to 3. Uh, and for, you know, you know uh, ABV, sometimes people like to see that in a Play-Doh form, we're looking at 11 to 12. So... It, it's right in that average range of, of strength, uh, whether you're Play-Doh or ABV. So yeah, that's all fine. When we talk about glassware and, um, you know, really, I think, Julia, you've got uh, a couple uh, Teku uh, glasses. Uh, if I saw that right, those are just wonderful glasses to put in. My preference is I've, if I'm not drinking this out of a Teku glass, I like my stemmed tulip glass. You know, part of this is these are complex, interesting, thoughtful beers. I want to dress it up. This is, we're going out to a fancy dinner. I want to dress up and look nice. That's what the glass does. Also, the stem allows me to control whether I want to warm it up in my hand or let it be the temp it is. And just the delivery of the shape of the glass just kind of makes that experience a little bit more interesting. And, and for those of you who doubt the value of a glass, try a nice glass. Even if you don't have a nice glass, try it out of like a white wine glass versus a red party cup and tell me which you prefer for a nicer occasion. Uh, temperature wise, you know, these I really like uh, for, for Fahrenheit. I want these to be warmed up just a little bit, uh, 42, 45 degrees. Um, if it gets too warm, then they can start getting kind of, uh, you know, tannicky and kind of a uh, little oversweet, maybe that's when the the balsamic vinegar note really starts to pick up when it gets too warm. So I like these about 42 to 45. If you're Celsius, uh, say right around six, seven degrees, something like that is is really where the sweet spot is. What about pairing? I appreciate the opportunity, and I'm going to take this moment and read you all an excerpt from my beer pairing book with Gwen Conley, yes. because one of my favorite, we did 25 styles of drilled down pairings and really talked about why the interactions was the discovery of uh, Flanders Red while I was rummaging through the pantry and trying to file this chapter and saying I just hadn't home run it yet. And we had some lentil soup, literally canned lentil soup. And so here was my revelation. Good lentil soup requires, oops, forgive me, good lentil soup recipes have glorious flavors to go with brown malts. It's also a more complex soup than you might think. There's the stock, scratch made, maybe chicken or veggie, root vegetables such as carrots and onions, and spices that include coriander and cumin. Both the lentils, red, brown, or green, take your pick, and red tomato bring umami and tannins to the party as well. Some lentil soup recipes call for a splash of vinegar. In the same vein, a squeeze of lemon to the soup helps lessen salt and tannins and brighten other flavors. Or better yet, pair the soup with a beer that also has brown malt flavors, acidity, and sometimes tannins, a.k.a. our Flanders Red. This is a pairing based on contrast of taste elements. The tart acidity of the beer matches up against the umami and salt of the soup. Yet we have flavor harmonies of the Munich malt with the soup stock, lentils, and vegetables. In this home-run pairing, pay specific attention to how the beer's acidic aspects truly lessen the high salt content and at the same time find flavor harmonies and echoes that make you want to live off of lentils forever. So to me, that's a pairing. 
And I remember reading that excerpt uh, before going into my fancy test thinking, okay, I hope I get Flanders Red because I know what I'm going to pair with this. Um, <laughs> and, and frankly, Julia, uh, I, I, I did not mean this as a challenge to you, but I did go back and check your work. Uh, and I did open up uh, some lentil soup and have one of these in it is fabulous. It worked. I'm great. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, I've also kind of played around with this too. Uh, I, I, I don't know how, but I just stumbled upon this pairing. I was actually grilling some uh, Argentine steak over wood fire and, and smother it with a chimichurri sauce. Wow. And, and, I, and I happened to have one of these open and I tasted it and the angel sang. I, I, yes. I, you got to go try that. It, it was amazing. Um, this is this and even in the, even the Flanders Brown, the Odd Bruin, uh, a classic uh, a meal that we need to talk about with this is we'll use this beer to make and to pair with the Belgian uh, uh, Carbonade Flamand. And, and I've also done a little bit of research on trying my own recipe, and it was fabulous as well. So um, th these are fun things to play with, especially especially with meat, especially with savory. These are just perfect. Uh, thirsty and hungry as always, right? <laughs> as always. We wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't inspire hunger and thirst, I, I think. you know. But uh, this has been a longer episode. My apologies for that. But this is one of those styles that we need to experience, we need to talk about, we need to understand because it's too easy to pass over and say, oh, that's I, I don't like sours. I'm not going to apologize for that because if you made it this far with us, you're into this stuff as much too. And I, right? or and, ought to be, or ought to yeah, be. Open your mind to up to sours. These are amazing. Go forth, go forth, have fun, report back. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Ascents of Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia. And me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.